Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, yes. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus Three, presented as ever by Omaha. I hope you enjoyed the wild card round of the NFL playoffs. I hope you enjoyed your sports weekend. I didn't. I was disappointed by the result in Western New York. Delayed until Monday. That's why this show is delayed until Tuesday, but we're about to make it right for you because we have the best in the biz to try and give you a little optimism. If your team is not still in the pro football playoffs, we have the gold standard of draft evaluation. Daniel Jeremiah, host of the Move the Sticks podcast, coming up in just a few minutes here. We're going to try and make sense of the QB league, some of those QBs, some of the ones that might be available for your team in free agency, and maybe the draft, which teams should be looking to make a change, which teams should and won't. Let's get into all that with Daniel Jeremiah. But first, we say hello to our guy, Eddie Spaghetti, there behind the glass. And... How are you, Spaghetti? You enjoy those playoffs? I know you didn't. I got your text message saying that they stunk, which yeah. I can't disagree with. They weren't great, except for that Rams Lions game. That's right. The 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 famous minus three text thread with you, me, uh, you, and Hench. Uh, not a lot of great games. What was good if you were a fan of the Giants or I guess um, you know Commanders and the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles losing? Oh yeah, right. I guess it's a it's a good thing. A lot of question marks surrounding Mike uh, Mike McCarthy and you know the future of Dak in Dallas. Although I think you'd be stupid to get rid of Dak because you know your replacement won't be better. And uh, but you can't replace. I don't the, no. the buzz around replacing. Uh, yes, McCarthy sense. broom, but um, the the hit you would take. Does it makes it not worth it? Led the right? league in touchdown passes. CD Lamb led the league in receptions. There's no reason to break up that duo. It's more than just Dak's issue. I I understand people give pushback and say Dak doesn't have that winning kind of gene, if that even is a, a real thing in the playoffs. But I I think it's just more to do with the coaching overall, and then obviously the Eagles, which you know I kind of compared to the Giants team that was 11 and one. Poxyobera shot himself, and then they were you know reeling the rest of the way, lost in the first round of the playoffs. It's kind of like how this. Eagles team felt without having a major incident like what happened with the Plaxico. I just don't get it. A team that was really, you know, could have won the Super Bowl uh, of a couple of plays went the other direction. And you had this incredible start to the season. You have like this, you know, uh, tush push craze and Jalen Hurts scoring a bunch of touchdowns. AJ Brown looks like the, one of the worst trades in the NFL history. In it's well, but I, yeah, except right. It, it probably gets you to that Super Bowl last year, but that's in the rear view mirror to your point. Yeah. It's really wild how fast this has happened. And it's not like, and you know, we've said it and everybody else is saying it too. Like they were just in the Super Bowl. They almost won the Super Bowl 11 months ago, but it's more recent than that. They, they looked like the best team in the NFC six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. This implosion is, is fascinating because to your point, they, yes, they, they've had some injuries. Every other team has too, but they didn't lose the key. Any, I wouldn't say uh, Darius Slay going down is obviously a, a significant loss, but you know, they had the majority of their core in place. You wouldn't point to something and say, that's the incident, except that when they played the Niners or after Nick Bosa said, we just gave you the template on how to beat that team. And coincidentally or not, and I'm going to say it's not a coincidence, everybody has followed that script, and the Eagles have been a bum team against every team they've played. I mean, the Cardinals beat them in the big spot. I mean, yeah, this was this was not surprising, and that's why I gave you the Buccaneers as a straight-up winner. On the minus three 15-minute pregame show, we appreciate everybody for watching it. I mention it because, unless I'm mistaken, Spaghetti, it was our mar- most watched episode so far this season, right? Yeah, uh, we are we are playoff performers. Uh, a lot of yeah. good weeks on there, but this, I think, eclipsed uh, our, our view count tremendously. Um, even before the final game on Monday kicked off, we were ahead of that curve. So obviously shows that everyone's locked in for the playoffs. They love the wild card uh, weekend. Um, although, again, hoping for a lot closer games in the divisional round. So hopefully everyone comes right back. Go follow us uh, on the Minus 3 Pod Twitter handle. It'll be there. It'll be on Facebook. If you still use Facebook, it'll be uh, on YouTube as well. Whatever, whatever is the best viewing option for you. I still use uh, Facebook. I still use Facebook. That's that's great. I have a couple things I wanted to tell you. I, because I always say it, and I got a lot of grief from people, from some of my pals, in fact, and I'll tell you why I was just talking to my my pals face-to-face. 
uh, about why I am so boring with my Super Bowl pick. The two teams with the shortest odds, the Niners and the Ravens. But like I say, if Anton Shigor is standing in front of you, the, the reason I do that is because those are the two teams that have the buys. And of course, that means not everything, but close to everything is what you have to lose if you don't get a buy. Um, because in this millennium, there have been now 46 Super Bowl participants. 25 of them had a number one seed. 33 of them had a buy when we used to have second seeds getting buys. That's inarguable that that's what you want to have. If Anton Shigur is standing across from you and he says, you have to toss heads in uh, consecutively, would you rather him say you have to do it twice in a row or three times in a row? I bet you you'd prefer to take the uh, the two. And that's what the Ravens and Niners now have. And by the way, I think they kind of got gifted some favorable matchups there, especially the Ravens. I think they should roll against the Texans, but we'll dig in on hmm. those I'm, games. I'm shocked by that just quickly. Really? Oh yeah. I talked about it with Jen on waiver wire. I thought that they definitely would have rather the, the Browns in division opponent, like uh, especially with Cedar Stroud looking as hot as he did in completing what he did versus a really good defense. I think the the Ravens now are like, crap, we have the hot quarterback, everyone's ah. favorite story, the momentum. And then they're kind of rusty. They haven't played in weeks and weeks and weeks. I definitely oh, think, I think Pittsburgh would be way worse for them. I do not think they would want to see Pittsburgh rolling in there right now. I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, there's no way of me convincing you, but I think that if you're telling you rather have the injured, you know, no TJ, the TJ Wattless Mason oh, Rudolph. Oh, oh, by the way, TJ Watt would be out there next week if if he, right. if they if they advise he would be hobbled. But the but the math, the kryptonite of Lamar Jackson is at least if you look at the numbers over the course of his career, the more looks you get at him, the more solvable he becomes. The Browns and Steelers beating the Ravens with a fair amount of regularity is owed to exactly what I say. They they know his habits and they know what the Ravens are. Now, the 2023 Ravens are different than the past incarnations with Lamar Jackson, but still, I think there is something to repeat looks makes him feel a little more human to the foes. I don't think they wanted to play the Browns or Steelers at all. I if I had to rank them in terms of what they'd rather, I would I would be the worst matchup to me is Texans, then Browns, then the Steelers. If I I'm I'm not trying to poo poo your team, but it's like it's Mason Rudolph, if, you know, versus C.J. Stroud is going to be the MVP conversation next year, and and Flacco until last game hasn't played extremely well, but they're all banged up and injured. So I I just feel like this team is hmm. hot. They're young. They're playing with house money. They don't know any better. Um, Nico Collins is really impossible to cover. I just feel like if they did what they did to that Browns defense, which is ranked number one in the NFL. Um, what they could do to the Ravens even to me is scary. So I, I do think the Ravens are probably a little uneasy right now compared to other matchups they could have had. Okay, so be it. Um, we'll see how that plays out, and we'll have some more thoughts for you after we talk to our guy, Daniel Jeremiah. Just two quick uh, overarching thoughts. One is my big takeaway, I know Dallas losing and Philly falling apart, and I'm sad for the Steelers, and the no-show by the Dolphins offense was – not uh, people are not talking about that very much. People are like, see, the Chiefs are still dynamite. Yeah, they are. But man, the Dolphins really pooped the bed down the stretch. And that was perhaps their worst showing. And both teams were playing in the cold. And uh, Patrick Mahomes is from Texas. So let's not make it like it was purely a matter of it being chilly out for the people from South Florida. But either way, uh, you know, the the best game was certainly the Rams and Lions. And it was great watching that. And then as the capper of the wild card round, it wasn't terribly interesting, but you get kind of swept up in the like, this is nice for Baker Mayfield. And I find myself being happy for Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff, who both, frankly, had so much swag or so much cockiness that they were unlikable. If they were your quarterback, you could in times were good. You could probably get pretty excited about that guy being the main man. But otherwise, I think they kind of in a gentle way. They weren't awful human beings, but on the other hand, not terribly likable cats either. And now they got beaten up by pro football a little bit and they've come through more likable. And I keep thinking about at the end of Rocky four, when Balboa is in the, uh, in, in the ring afterwards. And he tells the Soviet fans who are cheering for him now after booing him at the start, if, if I can change and you can change, we all can change. And it makes me think, well, first of all, we've we've evolved a little bit and we've be, we've softened a little bit now are willing to embrace those guys. But they've changed a little bit. But from a football standpoint, this is one thing I want to talk to DJ about. Is it just a matter of time 
with guys like, you know, some guys splash. We've talked about CJ Stroud. Okay. Day one, he's good. And the real deal, but other guys, you know, it used to be the way in free agency and the clock starting the day you get drafted and the amount of money you're paying a quarterback. Like they can't, you're compelled to be playing that guy in his rookie season. But you know, 30 years ago, the standard was, okay, go sit down. We drafted you first. We're very excited. Now go sit down for the next two to four years and watch. And I feel like, Today's QBs don't get the benefit of that, and some guys don't need it, but other guys do. And I wonder if, you know, Kirk Cousins sat for a little bit, and I wonder if Mason Rudolph is just a random backup who got hot for a couple of weeks, or if he is, in fact, a guy who, because of the time he has spent in the league, is now ready to win games with a fair amount of regularity. It's very interesting. In the AFC, it's harder to do because of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. But if you look at the NFC side of things, there is evidence that you can be a middle-class QB on a really good roster and make some hay in the playoffs. Look at the Niners with the number one seed after all. So anyway, I'm fascinated by that. And I think it's a nice story, a nice evolution for Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield and telling maybe for other guys who get drafted high, who maybe don't, uh, splash in the first year that maybe they shouldn't look for their next job just yet. Maybe they should just cool their heels and and uh, learn at the knee of somebody. But the other thing I wanted to tell you is I watched that C.J. Stroud and Joe Flacco game from Las Vegas. Las Vegas? Why were you in Las Vegas, Dave? Well, I was planning a trip with my Chicago pals with whom I'm in the fantasy league, my Indiana University pals with whom I matriculated, and then we all lived in Chicago and everything. And we go out to Vegas and uh, usually it's, you know, in the playoffs. So I often uh, am not able to make it, but this divisional round, I was planning on making it. And I was on the air with Vegas. In fact, with Chris Andrews um, on his very fine podcast. And I was talking with, uh, and Frank Nicotero, two lovely uh, Pittsburgh fellows were talking about uh, the football games. And as soon as I turn off uh, from that call and uh, I, I look at my phone one of my friends says, like, he's toasting with a martini glass. It's like, at the bar already, fellas. Can't wait for Vegas. Let's go. It's like, you got there a week early? How excited are you for Vegas? Then another guy texted, and he said, um, flight just landed. I'll be there in about 45 minutes. And I was like, wait a second. And then I texted, I'm gleaning from these text messages that the Vegas weekend isn't in the divisional round next weekend, but in fact, right now. And they said, yeah, yeah, it is, Dave. You uh, you have no idea. You're dumb, Dave. You screwed up the schedule again, and you're supposed to be in Vegas right now. And I said, I, I can't believe what a moron. And then my wife walked in and she said, you should go. Get on the plane right now and go to Vegas. And I said, I will. I will. I booked fair and I flew out to Vegas and I did it for a night and it was magical. And I caught up with all my pals. But the bottom line is what an imbecile I am, Spaghetti. I mean, I I can't even keep, I can't keep a calendar now. I have no idea what week I'm supposed to be doing anything. Sad. My advice to you. Well, I'm glad you went. Um, that's something that I would have done, too. I would have uh, not miss up. I, I mess up. I would have actually gone on the plane and flew because I could not live with myself missing out on something. I'm bad at that. My advice, even in this digital age, and I'm a younger person, so to speak, I do keep a like dry erase board calendar where I every the first of the month I write it out. I do all the dates. I ask my fiance anything going on for you that I have to write down, and then I write down my important stuff. Not I don't write the day to day stuff, but if there's an event I have to do or something else, I'll write it down. And every morning when I make my coffee and breakfast, I I x off the previous day and I give a half x to the the day that we're in, and I know everything's going on. And that to me has worked. So I, that's my advice to you. I guess I could try it. I really like other people to rise up and take care of that. You know, like I, I, I'm not good at it. Don't we understand at this point that I'm deep enough into this life that that's not going to change? I need other people to pick up my slack. That's the issue. If people get mad at me about it too, it's like, I mean, the results are in. I'm an imbecile. You can't take me to task. I'm, you know, listen, I have Can flaws. I Can I ask one more question? Your yeah. group text with all your friends, there was no like, so I'm guessing you got these texts on was the Friday night you said that you had you flew or a Saturday Friday two o'clock in the afternoon on so Friday. That, was there no like Thursday night text like hey excited to go or like Friday yeah. morning like people there were I thought they were talking about next weekend why would why I nobody would, was like I'm excited to be there on the 13th or whatever like they were there they, it was like I'm looking forward to Vegas 
You know, it was that kind of a. But why would they randomly say that a week prior? You didn't put two and two together. I didn't put two and two together, but then I put it together and I jumped on the plane. I made it out there and it was a it was a it was a wonderful time. Um, But anyway, and then the schedule got screwed up with the snow in Buffalo. And so I said, I have to fly back to watch uh, the Steelers playoff game with Jean-Claude Van Damashek. Obviously, we've watched every game together, so we have to watch this one together. And then they canceled that. And then my friend said, well, now you can stay. And I said, well, now I'm heading to the airport. Goodbye. And I walked out the door and that was the end of it. But anyhow, let's uh, let's get to the start of this. I have a couple more thoughts for you on the playoffs that just happened. Um, and we'll get into those. But first, let's give everybody, everybody whose team is outside looking in now on these playoffs, a little cause for optimism with Daniel Jeremiah. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up, Omaha Full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Okay, here he is, everybody. Now, I remember meeting him, I couldn't even tell you how many years ago now, Indianapolis at the Combine. He was there in his underpants next to his peer group, the QBs. And boy, this he, he had everything. He had everything going for him. He had a live arm. He had the wheels, the Wonderlick test, through the roof and all of it. But I pulled him on the side and I said, you know what? I think he had got the goods to go on TV and talk about other people in, in their underpants. And here we sit now. He is the gold standard of NFL scouting, getting you right between now and that NFL draft for the current student-athletes who soon will be heroes for your favorite pro football teams and, unfortunately, for your least favorite football teams. You listen to him on Move the Sticks they have Jed Fish on there, the new head coach at Washington right now. So you definitely want to check that out. Listen, you want to check out everything this guy's doing. He's the best in the biz. He's our pal, Daniel Jeremiah. How are you, fella? I'll tell you what, Dave, you, you remembered that well. I mean, I hiked those shorts back up. Um, I took those footies off, took those little fast cleats that didn't weigh anything off my feet, and then uh, began the next chapter of my life. And I have you to thank for it. Yeah, I didn't understand the thing like what you're like. No, I like to self wedgie. I think it really shows. I'm like that's yeah. too far though. No, it's too much. Yeah, and so I think it was good. I disabused you of that. But anyway, listen, it's great yeah. to, to to yap with you here. Now we are edging ever closer. I know the football playoffs are capturing most people's attention right now, but not very long from now. And in fact. The majority of pro football teams are already now chomping at the bit to hear what Daniel Jeremiah thinks is the right thing to do. And let's start there. Am I crazy? Is it my perception or in the last five years or so, 
when a team loses in the playoffs, it feels like the end of the world to the franchise. It feels like, well, now we have to blow everything up here. Like this, this is not sustainable. We need a whole new. And I think it's kind of valid with some of these teams that we just saw go down in the wild card round. Dallas, Philly, Miami, Pittsburgh, any and all of those jump out to you as teams that would do well to make some not small changes between now and uh, September of 24. Well, they're all different um, uh, to me. I think the I think Miami would be more of an overreaction than the others, um, just in terms of the limited track record that we have there. That was to his first healthy season. I've never seen so many people uh, that are both crazy for Tua and crazy against Tua. There's I feel like there's no nuance there. There's no way of saying, look, I think we have a, you know, a eight to 12, you know, quarterback here, which is not a bad thing. And we've got a lot of pieces around him. Now, if we can play in the right environment, um, you know, we can win a Super Bowl, but not in minus 30 degree weather. Okay. That's, he's not that guy, but like, I feel like there's some, some common sense there. You don't need to, I saw uh, McDaniel saying, Oh, I could, uh, um, I could end up giving up play calling. I'm like, give me, you just led the league with all these stats and everything, score all these points. You played in a freaking frigid game and you, your team stunk because you're from Miami and you're not built to play in that. Like that's, that's an overreaction to me. Dallas is a little bit of a track record of this happening multiple times uh, in the postseason, And usually somebody ends up having to, to pay for that. Is um, it the I, Greg Maddox effect that, or, or Tom Glavin, that's the, my go-to always is you can be a, a regular season hero against mediocre competition, but when the stakes are raised and the competition goes up, it doesn't work. Is that what you see is happening with the Cowboys or is there something else at play? Like Dak feels the pressure in a way he doesn't typically yeah. in the regular season. And when the snowball starts going against him, you can see that you can feel that, uh, you know, that he presses. I mean, you know, where, where are you on that? I mean, 12 wins, Perennially, yeah. is pretty good. No, that's a great thing. Um, but to me, and I agree with you that the playoffs are different than the the regular season. We've had this conversation before. Like when you get into the playoffs in baseball, power arms play, and you have to be able to hit great pitching. You can pile up mm-hmm. a bunch of home runs against the fourth and fifth starters and those tomato cans throughout the whole year, but you got to be able to beat good pitching. The thing that's a conundrum for the Cowboys to me is I think they have all that stuff. Like they have pass rushers that can beat elite offensive linemen. They have offensive linemen who sh- you can block against some of the better defensive fronts. They have a quarterback who doesn't have a noodle arm back there who shouldn't be limited and can fit balls in tight windows. They've got a receiver who should be able to beat some of the better corners in the league. I don't know how to explain it, Dave. I, the pressure is the one thing I come back to is that the pressure has suffocated them. And that's why to me, it, it just feels like in it, Look, I don't want to see people lose their jobs, but with McCarthy, McCarthy comes back. I feel like now there's no release. There's no release on that pressure. It just gets now. It's just the regular season. We don't even care. We're not even paying attention. The only that matters is when we get in the postseason, like the buildup for that for him seems like that's man, that might be too much. And that's where you go. Okay. I acknowledge the success you've had, but we've got to take a little bit of the air out of this here and let's get a new coach, which hasn't, doesn't have all these battle scars. And maybe if we get down early in the game, it doesn't feel like it's just caving in on you. Like it did uh, when you're watching that game. Um, So that that's where I think on the Dallas and the Philly thing is different where, Gosh, you just look back to last year and where they were, and it looks like they had, you know, they had to replace both coordinators, and it looks like they might have went 0 for 2. So does that look like, okay, you know, does Jeffrey Lurie say, well, let's just hire new coordinators, let's clean up underneath Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni, though, is supposed to be the culture guy. He's the culture guy, and then we get the, the coaches underneath him to call it. But then you go, well, wait a second. The culture doesn't look like he's doing so good right now. So if we've got the culture head coach and then the team's not playing well, then I, that's where I'd start getting worried for him. But I would say of those, that would be, I would say Miami, no changes or minimal changes. I would say Philadelphia, probably a lot of changes, but I would think the head coach probably okay, which hmm. when you release this, it'll probably be, uh, I'll probably be proved wrong. Uh, and then lastly, I would say McCarthy just feels like, I don't know how they run that back um, just with all the pressure that's there. But do you, by the way, do you believe in self-fulfilling prophecy? Of course I do. Yes. So you're a hundred percent believer in that. So well, you, I guess you're going to, okay, go ahead. Go so ahead. You, you scheduling to have the draft guy uh, on uh, a week before the Steelers played the Bills, uh, setting that up for right after that game. Do you, do you see, do you take any blame here at all for this at all? 
I see where you're going with this. Yeah. And no, I'm not going to wear that one. I'm not going to fall into your trap, uh, Jeremiah. It's not, I, I'm not going to sure. do that. Listen, I wanted to do as one of society's foremost empaths. My team had just got into the playoffs. I was excited, but it's not all about me. You see? Okay. You're a giver. I, that's right. And I wanted to provide some optimism yeah. for the have-nots. I thought that, that this would be the right time to do it. All this talk about, oh, it's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and and all that. You know, other people are out there too, and they're not feeling so good right now. And that's where Dave Damashek and hey, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there was a problem with the relationship. Did I schedule a uh, divorce attorney meeting for the day after we were going to have this conversation? Yes, <laughs> but I think our relationship's fine. I didn't see it's a totally there's no connection. Yeah. I'm not wearing it. <laughs> and we'll get to Mike Tomlin in a okay. second here because okay. I was ahead of the curve on that one about where this was going to come down. But okay, let's do some what if here. You know, I like my NFL stuff and uh, mm -hmm. a couple have occurred to me coming off of this season we just saw. First of all, remember, Lovey Smith just, he left the Texans screwed. What a final move by him. Oh, you're going to fire me? Boom. Well, I'm going to I'm going to screw you for a generation and, and not let you get the guy Bryce Young. What if that play doesn't happen? They draft Bryce Young, right? The Texans do so. take you. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So then are the Panthers in the playoffs right now? I I'll tell you what, the Panthers would have won a lot more games, but I don't know that they would have been in the postseason. I think I overvalued uh, what was there on campus there. I think the DJ Moore being part of that, uh, you know, that was uh, that was a killer there. So, um, it, it, man, look, it's hard when you do the flopping them, you know, and you've done so many of these over the years. They're fascinating to me. I just I think that we can all agree that if we have eyes that CJ Stroud is a more talented, especially at this point in time, a much better player. Than Bryce Young, but I don't want to underestimate how terrible the situation was in Carolina. Not only with the talent around him, but yeah. having a million voices in your ear, and a bunch of them are former quarterbacks, which I, I I think sometimes it's too much. I think you'd want to have one strong voice, and the, the and I probably said some of this along the way. Hey, this is great. They are these former quarterbacks, all this wisdom to pour into them. Well, guess what? You get five former quarterbacks in the room. That's five different opinions on how your footwork should look where your eyes should be, how you read, like it, it, to me, it just drowned him a little bit. So I think CJ Stroud's better. I think if CJ Stroud had gone number uh, or had gone to them with that pick in Carolina, they'd be better off, but I don't know that they'd be a playoff team. You think Bryce Young landing in Houston, do you think that would have worked out somewhere close to as well as it has with Stroud? Do you think they'd be I, I, tracking I think, for I, the playoffs and all that? I, I with think the they Mingo? would be, I think they would have been, uh, you know, in contention, I mean, it came down to the very end, so there was no there was no margin. So if I'm going to uh, agree that C.J. Stroud has been a much better player, is a more talented player than Bryce, and they, with all of that, barely snuck into the postseason, I would say Houston probably doesn't make the postseason if they took Bryce. But man, Bryce would be a lot happier. I can tell you that much. Everybody for six months was predicting what was going to happen with the Jets with Aaron Rodgers under center. What if he doesn't get hurt in that game? What do you think the AFC looks like? Are the Jets a playoff team? Do they maybe win the AFC East? How say you? They're, they're better, but I think, you know, at seeing what the offensive line, especially as the injuries mounted, and it was probably a matter of time before Aaron would have got hurt again. If that didn't happen with his Achilles, it would have been something else. And I don't know that he's super equipped to play behind an offensive line like that. And I think that when we when you boil it down, they have one big-time elite receiver, Garrett Wilson, who's awesome. Um, and the guys that he brought over from Green Bay don't have a lot. So, um, no, I, I think they would have won a few more games. What, they win six, seven games? So Was it you know, that many? Yeah, yeah, I guess I they, yeah, they, they, yeah they were yeah. yeah, they were in the mix. So there I mean they're a five, they're a nine, and I think with Aaron Rodgers, they're a nine and eight type team. I mean, the defense is really good, but I just don't think I don't think the offensive line would have uh, would have allowed him to do what he needed to do there. All right. I could be cute with what you think happens to the Pittsburgh Steelers if Kenny Pickett doesn't get hurt against the Arizona Cardinals. I have my own thoughts and have uh, elaborated on those extensively on this very podcast. So I'm not gonna ask you that. Let's just cut to the chase here. Is Kenny Pickett fixable in your eyes? I feel like, let me just say, my my sense of him is yeah. that he's just flat spooked. By I remember talking to you about this, whatever it was, mm -hmm. eight or ten years ago about Blaine Gabbert. 
Yeah. That boy, he just is unsettled when guys get in his space. And mm-hmm. I don't know how you cure that. And you rightly pointed out. And in fact, some old QB said, you know, where you really see guys starting to get skittish in the pocket is when they're older guys. Cause now they know mm-hmm. their football mortality and they want to have a happy life. And they're like, I don't want to take hits anymore. And I'm 38 and all of that. But I do think that th- it does seem intrinsic in who he is. If you go back and look at him at Pitt, you and I went back and forth on him. He always did love that harsh pirouette to his left to get out of the pocket or more damning is that weird fade he does to nowhere out Mm -hmm. to his right. Is is any of that stuff fixable? He just doesn't seem like he wants to stand in the pocket and deliver a throw if there's a guy anywhere in his space. Well, I think that if they can get Broderick Jones over to left tackle and then draft a, a right tackle in this draft and some of the other pieces that they put in place, um, Samalo, uh, right? The uh, he played yep. well coming over from the Eagles. So I mean, sure. I think I, I want to give him a little bit of a pass, and that I don't know that he knows what it's like to play behind a good offensive line uh, at the NFL level. We haven't seen him play behind a good offensive line. He's still, you know, relatively young and, and inexperienced. That maybe that's something that can be improved just by putting a little bit of a a, a better wall in front of him. But man, that's sometimes as as we've seen over the years, those battle scars those those linger so uh, i'm not going to give you a solid 100 percent. this is who he is it's not correctable but man th- they have to be a lot better in front of him and more consistent in front of him to try and get him through that which by the way i have a, a steelers question from the game of the night i was looking at that going do you think it went through mason rudolph's head late in the game as they were like you got in order to have any chance romo was like you got to throw it to the end zone here and then if you score then you get the onside kick and then throw it again and then instead he took a couple easy completions and then ran. I'm sitting there going like, he's going, you know what? Nobody's going to remember, you know, if we lost by seven <laughs> or 14, but I'll tell you one thing, I'm not putting an interception on my tally. Cause this is starting to look like I played pretty good in this game. Uh, you know, after I had the early interception, let's, let's just get a couple more completions, a couple more yards. I take off and run a little <laughs> bit here. Like who are we kidding? I wouldn't, you know what you jest. I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't be surprised if his frame of mind right now, Peyton is- Manning didn't throw Hail Mary's at the end of halves. Yeah, right. he said it. He's like, I'm not going to throw an interception. What are the chances we catch that thing? I'm not throwing an interception, putting it on my list. Listen, if you're Mason Rudolph, you, you know, the the joke is it was so obvious that uh, not even uh, Hack Dave picked up on it. Other hacks picked up on it that obviously the Mason Rudolph story was very much like the Rudolph story. And Mike Tomlin, very much like Santa, desperate to to save the day, turned him and said, well, you guide our sleigh tonight, Mason Rudolph. If he had my temperament, a petulant <laughs> would have been like, no, you should ask me when <laughs> when you had an option. Now you're desperate. I'm not helping you at all. Mason Rudolph could have said that except for his professional exploits in 24 and beyond. I mean, I kind of feel like, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you think he's priced himself? Let's say he even has a will and the Steelers can say to him what a lot of other teams can't. Like, you're probably not going to be made a number one elsewhere will bring you into Pittsburgh again and you'll at least have a shot in competition at the number one but has he priced himself out of Pittsburgh on any level I wouldn't think so right that that feels like I'd be shocked if that's not at least the two of them if not bringing in a third um right I would think that's a wide open a wide open competition for that for that next year so well I, I know you think that the the Bears would do well to move on from Justin Fields. And I can, and I completely understand that in the the fifth year and, and, and all of that. I do think to some degree you're deluding yourself. If you think Justin Fields, once he's making $40 million a year um, and, and the way that corrupts the rest of the roster and all of that is a better choice than just, you know, you know, square one, Caleb Williams or Drake may, however, they, they see that. But, you know, I know it's the rolling conversation that you and I have had for mm-hmm. since I, since I met you a dozen, 13 years ago now. But, you know, still, it's still true. On the AFC side of thing, it says to keep up with the Joneses, you better figure out that high-end QB, not a capable mm-hmm. QB, a high-end one, superheroes that you all know, Mahomes in KC and your guy Herbert in uh, here in LA and Allen in Buffalo and Lamar in Baltimore and Joe Burrow's going to return in Cincinnati. And I, Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis with Steichen seems formidable going forward and Trevor Lawrence and the Jags and all of it. 
So are you deluding yourself by thinking that you can zig against the rest of the conferences, zag and win with a deep roster, but an okay, a middle-class level QB? Well, that's a good, it's a good uh, homework assignment for you because I, I said this the other day and I'd be curious if you actually did the math on it, what it would look like. But my thing was, if you look at Super Bowls in a 10-year block, if we were to say like about every 10 years, to me, it feels like maybe once or twice out of that 10-year block, you get the unbelievable team that props up the quarterback. You get a Brad Johnson, a Trent Dilfer, you get a Nick Foles, like maybe one or two out of 10 years. The other eight to nine of those games are won by Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, the quote-unquote cyborg quarterbacks who are the ones who lift up everybody else. So, you know, Russell Wilson, we can, you know, kind of debate where he was early in his career. That was another example of probably the whole team, and, and he was a part of it but wasn't the driving force of it. Um, the second time, if they don't throw that interception, I think you could have made more of a case that he was a bigger, you know, piece of that. But – I think it's easier. It's an easier road to travel if you can get one of those guys to be competing for that every single year. Whereas you have to hit it inside straight in order to win with a guy who isn't like those guys. That's right. I mean, that's it. And it's unsatisfying for the have nots, though, because you cannot simply draft high next year, next spring and solve the issue. Obviously, it's like a 60 percent hit rate somewhere in that range of the guys mm -hmm. who get drafted and, and, and they end up working out for you. Um, but the other side of the coin is the thing that makes it a vexing um, bit of homework to try and tackle is look at the NFC side. Brock Purdy's doing it mm -hmm. and Jared Goff's doing it. And he's a high pedigree guy, obviously, but he needed to get corrected by Ben Johnson. And so that's the NFC premise. That's the way they're going about or the way that whole entire conference, or at least you don't have to have the superhero QB to get it. And this is the question I've been asking everybody the last three or four months. Have we reached a place now where you'd be better off to have a mediocre QB and Ben Johnson as your OC or to have a top five QB and a mediocre OC? Mm, that's a good, that's because a, Kyle Shanahan, yeah. well, Kyle Shanahan, I mean, don't, a lot of Brock Purdy, we would attribute to Kyle Shanahan, right? I mean, I, I think we have seen Matt Ryan and Sam Darnold comes in. You think, like, well, I bet they can make that work. Uh, Jimmy mm. Garoppolo almost won the Super Bowl. I think we, you know, Ben uh, Ben Johnson, Jared Goff was like a, you know, forgive me, was kind of a punchline mm. until he met Ben Johnson, and now he's relevant and playing well. Anyway, how say you? I would say you still have to factor in who the other pieces are. Like you, you saw this year when Debo Samuel and Trent Williams were out of the lineup, even with Kyle Shanahan uh, and, and Brock Purdy, that didn't, they were losing ball games, you know? So when, if you're going to say that, you know, and Kyle Shanahan went in, he was in Houston and Matt Schaub was going nuts. He was throwing to Andre Johnson. When he was in Atlanta, you had Julio Jones, the height of his powers. So you still have to have those other pieces in place, but I could, I could get along with that. I could get along with that saying, I, you know, if I had a, a really, really good roster with a lot of talent around me, I might go great offensive coordinator, good uh, quarterback over great quarterback, good coordinator. I'd give yeah, the nod a, a little bit to the scheme there if I have all the pieces, if I have all the pieces in place. Right, and it's almost like I, I know that – Look at Green Bay. Right, well, well it's what's funny about that is – you can kind of, it's all centralized in that one coaching staff of 11 or 12 years ago. Like five years ago, it was the notion, oh, we have an available coaching slot. Call all of Sean McVay's friends. Now <laughs> it feels like it's that one coaching staff that was in D.C., 11, and they were all on it. All the great mm -hmm. play callers from Bobby Slowick up. They, it's all the the ingenious, progressive OCs and head coaches dominating the NFL now. So, so, so that's kind of a, a funny thing. Are there, um, the, the thing that I, I just repeatedly, you watch teams get duped by an OC or a DC who's been in the league for 15 years, but then all of a sudden he has the top unit in the league because they got one of those superhero quarterbacks or something like that. Yeah. And people don't do the math on like, well, yeah, he didn't turn into a genius. They got that. Mm -hmm that high end QB, but who are the guys right now that we're going to see? Cause you're, you're steeped in this stuff. Who are the OCs that whose names are going to be here or not necessarily the, the great progressive play callers on the rise here that are the genuine article who we're going to see 
competing against. It's kind of funny too. Remember when it was Russ and Cap on one side and it was Peyton and Brady on the other, old guard versus new guard. Yeah. It's all going to be like, you want Bill Belichick? You want Pete Carroll? You want Jim Harbaugh? Or do you want one of these guys who is uh, who looks like he's 23 years old and could be your head <laughs> coach for the next 30 years? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Slowick, you mentioned Ben Johnson and Detroit, I think would be the two that are that's right it. at the top. They're right at the top of everybody's list. And that's who everybody talks about and what they've How about done. Grubbs? They've Does Grubbs out of Washington get He's a done shot a great job. You go down to the college level, he's done a really, really good job. Um, I don't know. You have to take a pay cut if he's going to go from Alabama's offensive coordinator to being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I mean, I think that going rate's probably going to be about $3 million, I would guess. I don't hmm. know what he's making at Alabama. I think I think that's probably uh, not that far off. So, uh, no, he's a, he's a bright one. I mean, Everybody likes to, uh, you know, likes to kill Lincoln Riley for how things ended up this year with the USC team. I think it kind of caught up to him with with uh, not having the talent that they possess. I still think he's really, really creative um, and, and does a good job designing offense. So uh, he would be another one I would I would put into that mix if we're talking about college guys. And um, you know, Jed Fish done a good job. We just got hired. We just mentioned him at the top, and we just talked to him a little bit ago. But uh, he's done a good job and and being creative, and being innovative, and he's touched all the. The guys you need to touch to be around. Uh, he was around McVeigh. Um, gosh, he was around Pete Carroll. He was around Belichick. He's been around just a lot of bright football guys and uh, and been able to take a little bit of that along the way. Okay, uh, lightning rounded here, so yeah. uh, so you you don't uh, get too tired of talking about these subjects that you're going to be revisiting over the coming months here. But let's start with the guys already in the league. Um, talking about like we got to get one of those QBs if you want if you're you're not going to delude yourself all season you actually want to be competitive Kirk Cousins is probably the top name on the list unless it's Justin Fields obviously very different kinds of uh QB in there but Kirk Cousins do you anticipate him going anywhere other than back to Minnesota I don't think so because they wonderful life at the end of the year and got to see what it looks like without Kirk Cousins and it wasn't great. Um, hmm. So I, to me, I think that uh, you're coming back off that injury, they can get one, maybe two more out of him. Um, and I think Justin Jefferson has made it known what he what he thinks. You know, he wants him back. I think to me, the copycat league thing is always fascinating. And I think when you see Mahomes and, you know, doing what he's done, obviously, and then you see uh, Jordan Love, those guys that weren't just thrown in the microwave and were thrown in the oven and given a little bit of time to develop. I think of teams now like Minnesota that has a Cousins, the Rams that have a Stafford, that these teams say, you know, we're going to take the quarterback now and maybe we don't need him for two years, but we'll have him ready to go and he'll be so steeped and learn our system inside and out that we can rock and roll and make that transition sooner. It's better to to have that guy now than to be trying to find him uh, when you need him. I guess it's would you say that like shopping on an on an empty stomach uh, versus shopping when you're full? It's so funny because I almost said that when you're talking about uh, about Philadelphia. It's like you, you don't come at me. It's sort of the reaction to Mike Tomlin at the press conference right after the game, not answering the question. It's like I don't ask me about food as I'm walking out of the all you can eat buffet. I'm happy mm -hmm. to talk about now's not the time. I'm not in the uh, you know I'm too <laughs> stuffed to to have that conversation right now. But you know. I said at the top here, I think before you joined, like, you know, there, there's very something very rocky for the fight in Moscow about yeah. Balboa addressing the Soviets at the end. Like, if I can change and you can, you change, can change, we all can we change. We all can change. Yeah. And I think that there is a, that life on the big stage or otherwise, you know, life beats you up a little bit and you have a different swagger at 22 than you than you do at 30. And I think that Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff are likable guys. And you always mm -hmm. dug. I always tell that story about like Daniel Jeremiah was so right about Baker Mayfield's swagger. The fact that they let him out of the building and move elsewhere is another story that was a mistake that they'd probably like to have back. But I find him I find him more charming now. And same is true with Jared Goff. He doesn't have that edge about him anymore. It's, you know, it's a feels team. guy. Anyhow. They're better players, more importantly. And I look at Mason Rudolph, forgive me. And I think that there are a lot of fairy tale stories that last for two weeks or for three weeks. And then the backup QB turns into a pumpkin. But more and more, it just seems like. You know, the idea of like the steadying force of Case Keenum as an extreme mm -hmm. example. I, you know, I don't know how you bridge the gap from day one walking into the building to the five year mark, but how you complete 
that how you fill that gap is is what you need in almost any quarterback, right? If like if they get enough reps and they have a pedigree that gets them in through the front door, you're kind of okay with that. I know this goes against everything we're talking about, except Kirk Cousins is that guy. Like pedigree, middle round draft pick, but he's good now in large part because he's had so many reps. There is nothing you're going to do that's going to trick him. And I think that's how you would describe the quarterbacks I'm talking about here. And they aren't super so Gino heroes. In there. So Gino in there. Exactly. So so it's confusing. Like, ah, you have no chance if you don't have Josh Allen. Like, you sure? Because I, I, I see enough evidence that you can get by with those guys. On the other hand, you also don't want to draft a guy like, well, we have a late, uh, we have a first round pick in the late 20s. Jaden Daniels is there. He'll turn into that. He's a first round draft pick. I kind of feel like that's what Pittsburgh was hoping Kenny Pickett would do because it made sense. And I spiritually still embrace taking Kenny Pickett, the pit kid. But I think people try to make it into something because the kids there, this is a deep QB class, right? But how many guys do you feel real good about are going to be, you know, impact players in their first couple few years in the league. I know that's a yeah, massive no, no. rolling comment uh, slash question for you. See, see what sense you can make of it. You, we've uh, had conversation uh, before. You know how I work. No, I know how you do it. Um, so I'm going to make a super weird analogy for you that you're not going to expect. I can promise you. Um, but a lot of these things have in common. Jared Goff, first overall pick. Baker Mayfield, first overall pick. Right. Geno Smith, first round pick. These guys had ability. Like they had ability but they weren't ready for it. And they Alex to Smith too, right? Yeah. Another right. one. So those guys to me, and this is the analogy is someone who has teenage boys or only one now, uh, one's uh, 20, but having sat on the couch and not having played a video game in a hundred years, but having watched them play Fortnite, I know when they get knocked, right? So they are almost, their character is almost dead. And then they have to kind of hide behind a rock so that the, the other team doesn't see them. And they're wrapping the bandages around their arms. And the whole thing is they've got to get all that done before somebody shoots them and kills them. But they can't go back out in the open and get seen or they're dead. You got to hide. You got to hide behind the rock for a little bit. And you got to get all healed up and get your power thing to get recharged. And then you can go back out into the game and you've, and you've got a shot. I feel like some of these quarterbacks, like I feel like Zach Wilson last year, was hiding behind the rock, just trying to heal from everything. And they're like, nope, right back out into the middle of the battlefield. Like, right. no, 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 I haven't healed. I haven't healed properly yet. Uh, that That is what I think of with some of these young first-round quarterbacks. And that's why, you know, we'll see if the damage is irreparable there with him. But like Sam Darnold, I still am curious to see uh, – what happens with him in his next in his next act? Because he had enough ability, and I I, I didn't make it up. He's very talented. You saw that at, at USC, what he could do. It did not work out. He's healed up. He got a chance to sit under Kyle Shanahan and kind of collect himself after a stop in Carolina. Can he do what Baker Mayfield has just done? Can he do what Geno Smith's done? Can he do what Jared Goff has done? And on and on and on and on. I, I think the, the, the connective tissue there, though, is you have to have had enough ability to – been thought of like that or you get into another class of quarterback you're talking about the case keenums and the we can try and survive and maybe have this magical one-off year but i think those other guys have something that could be sustainable and even if they're not the elite elite top tier guys they're knocking on that door with enough ability that you can win i guess it still goes back you know it's it's the raiders of the 70s it was the al davis approach like you know someone else's garbage but High pedigree guy, like yeah, it didn't work out for him in that Picked situation. Yeah. yeah, that's a, that's what the Patriots so uh, have done so well over the last twenty years. Okay, very quick. So I mentioned Jane Daniels and Michael Penix. Michael Penix spooks me as an Indiana Hoosier guy. It would be fun if he landed mm. on my favorite football team. I don't like him under pressure though. He's smallish. Is he going to get better? Is he going to be get more mobile the further away he gets from the big time knee injuries? Because he's hyper accurate and he showed out pretty well but then you saw him against michigan you think like against higher competition he looked more mortal is he an answer in the nfl and is Jaden daniels an answer those are the two guys like may and caleb williams i think everybody assumes are going to go top three at at worst uh, i i think i think there's a very real chance we go quarterback 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 to start the draft oh who's three then Jaden daniels is going to go really he's going to go that high up yeah he's going to go high he played really well. If you just watched that just solely just off the tape this last year, obviously won the Heisman Trophy, you know, but he's playing in front of a better offensive line or playing behind a better offensive line. He's got unbelievable receivers, two of which are going to go in the first round this year. But he played better. He played the best of all the quarterbacks. Now, I think he'll be the third. 
but I think he's going to go. Um, and mm. then Penix, Penix has a really live arm. It is, it's a, he's a unique watch as somebody, you know, as an Indiana guy, you've seen him forever. A lefty always looks a little different throwing the ball. Then on top of that, he's from a build standpoint, he's really high cut with kind of looks like he's got long arms. Right. So the ball comes out. So in a low release, it even looks lower. It looks odd, you know, just watching how he throws it. But the ball jumps out of his hand. Um, the concern there is everything is really flat and firm. And like you see him drive a skinny post, like a bang, just right on. They call it a bang eight. You literally watch it and you say bang when you see it. Um, and then some of those up and down throws, you saw it in the Michigan game. He struggled with the touch and trajectory to kind of get up, up over linebackers, under safeties. There's a touch involved there that I don't know that that's uh, perfect for him. He moved around really well and navigated around pressure in the first game. Uh, in the semifinals and in the last game, he couldn't get away from it. So I, I don't think that's really who he is. I think he's a left-handed, you know, Kirk Cousins type pocket passer. But I don't know that he has all the clubs in his bag to make all the shots as a thrower, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And, you know, he, he like I say, three, four years ago, he was a different cat. Like he, mm. he you know, oh, he, he could run around. I think he could hurt him you for with the, the pylon. Was it against Penn State or, you know, good memory? That was a touch. He hit that pylon before he's, uh, before he hit out of bounds. I don't want to hear any, uh, another word about it. All right. The best in the biz. I know you keep saying tackle is rich. QB is rich. Are yeah. there positions that you can feel good if you have a need as an NFL fan? Richest positions, slightest positions going into to this spring. I said last year was the best tight end group that I'd ever seen in terms of the quality and the depth. Uh, the tackle group this year, you know, there's look, there's not a, you know, a Jonathan Ogden Orlando Pace type guy in this group, but there's a ton of them. Like, I think we could break the record for number of tackles that go in the first round. So a ton of tackles, uh, receivers each and every year, we're going to be handed receivers. That's, you know, it's where we are, which is fun. Um, there's a ton of, of talented receivers. I think we'll see three of them go in the top 10 and we're going to see, you know, we might see six or seven go in the first round. It's, it's loaded there. Um, so those, you know, in quarterbacks, I, you know, I think we'll see, Four, I would put it maybe at four and a half going the uh, in the first round. Maybe there's a fifth one that gets in there, but I think we'll see four first round quarterbacks. So that's where this draft seems to be kind of uh, where the strength lies. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just you know really getting into it now, and and uh, it's kind of fun. It's like opening up a new Christmas present every day as you as you watch these guys. And by the way, can you answer me one question? Sure. <clears throat> wired? Why are we wearing wired headphones? Are you like scared about like the? the I don't know because any spaghetti. Are you, are you worried about that? Like the no, studies about how I get grief that? about it. Like I, I plugged in in 2024 because Eddie yeah. Spaghetti told me that the earbuds clip out. Isn't that right? You remember Eddie Spaghetti, right? Used course, to work together. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Remember he's him, big husky yeah. guy. You know, not uh, a fan of the handsome. Huskies. I mean, he's husky. Very, very, very handsome individual. Um. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I know uh, if Eddie's just playing a joke on you or what's going on here, but uh, <laughs> it could well be. I wouldn't know. Like, watch, watch me, uh, watch me play a game with the old man. He won't know. He'll look like a dope. Well, I just, I can't see. It's like you leave it up to the imagination. So that I see the cords dangling, mm -hmm. and I just imagine they're hooked up to a Walkman. I, I don't know. I can't see it, but that's what I'm assuming. What would I be listening to on my Walkman, do you suppose? Daniel Jeremiah. People know it. I think it's kind of become the stuff of legend. He, on set, at commercial breaks, he is the DJ. He's not just DJ. He's DJ the DJ, and he spins 80s gems. One hit wonders oh, yeah. through and through. Is your That's your go-to, would you say? Yeah, 90s R&B. Okay, uh, yeah, right. 80s. And that's kind of that's my, uh, that's my sweet spot there. Um, in terms of what you were going for, um, I think maybe it's because you've got the flannel, but I'm thinking, uh, I don't know. I'm just going Huey Lewis. Uh, just gives That's me right. You got vibe. me. You nailed it. Yeah. You know me. You know me to yeah. the end. Listen, um, we talk about those QBs and they are precious, just like gold, because it is rare. Those QBs are rare, but you have beaten the system. You're not just a great QB from college. You are the gold standard, one of one. We appreciate you taking the time to yap with us right at the front edge here. Oh, everybody's going to, oh, Daniel, will you come on the show? Just remember, damn shit got you at the front end. Like, you know, I was, I was at the start there. I appreciate all your kindness last summer when the old man passed away. That was very kind of you to reach out. Not necessary, but uh Hey, good luck as you get into the busy season here, man. And uh, if you want to do some NFL and ever, you dial me up and we'll do it. We'll uh, we'll make stuff up. And uh, well, hey, first of all, 
uh, I love you. You've been a good friend forever. And if, if you could just do me one thing, I've never yeah. asked you for anything. Yeah. But if, as we finish this, if you could just let me see the walk, man, and just go, we're going back in time. And then just, <laughs> bam, just out. He just exit stage left. That's I want I a new drug. <laughs> One that won't make me sick. I feel like he's underappreciated. I think you're confusing me with somebody. I don't know where you're coming up with Huey Lewis and the news, you bum. Uh, Maybe a little Mellencamp. I'm seeing a little more now when you stood up there. Now we're talking. I wasn't born in an old town, but I spent four and a half years of my life in one. (laughs) Oh, I loved it. All right, listen. You're the tops, pal. Uh, best to you as you dig in there. Now, listen, move the sticks as if I have to promote it and you don't know what he's up to already, but I will move the sticks. Red Hot Podcast over there at the NFL. They're talking to Jed Fish, brand new coach in Seattle, Washington. Um, Go check that out and uh, we'll be checking you out for the next few months here as we do every year. Daniel Jeremiah, thanks for the time, pal. See you, buddy. And now a quick break. All right, there he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. Good stuff. Chock full of uh, insights. What did you think? A little nervous. um, You know, with the draft stuff that, you know, three QBs are going to go one, two, three off the board. uh, That kind of means the Giants want to make a move for a quarterback. They're going to have to trade up and give a boatload for one of those picks. But then again, I guess as the, uh, you know, we started off talking about CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, I guess anything shows you the number one overall pick doesn't always mean it's going to hit. Um, so, you know, who knows about this draft? Who knows if teams are going to take a different approach now? Uh, Mel Kuyper today is saying that the, the, uh, bears can get the eighth overall pick for trading, uh, Justin Fields. So I, I do think there'll be a lot of craziness. What? Yeah, that's what he's saying. So, I mean, long way to go It's January, but I don't think the draft order right now will be the same exact team. I do think we'll see a lot of movement. Uh, there are some teams that will for sure take a quarterback commanders, Patriots, but I think the bear, the bears are a true wild card uh, and we'll see what the Falcons want to do. So I think there will be some jumbling around, but pretty, pretty strong stuff there about the, uh, the Daniels may Caleb Williams uh, trifecta. Well, I've said it a million times that you're deluding yourself again, not just, you know, this, you know, the knock on gunslingers is that they throw a game or two away over the course of the season. And that dings your ability to get the number one seed overall. And as I said earlier, you want to have a buy because that enhances your chances of getting into the Super Bowl. So that's the main goal. And the other thing is, though, that Justin Fields and we keep doing this. And when it, when you're talking about an individual, then you you forget the the cardinal rules. And the cardinal rule is you want the QB, but you don't want him now that he's getting the bank, now that he's getting yeah. the level of money that Justin Fields is presumably going to get. And if you trade an eighth for him, you're going to have to pay him out like a real franchise QB. I'm guessing you're not going to two year deal him or something like that um, the way your Giants did with Danny Dimes. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Justin Fields is the guy they did. I did look it up and I was getting I was confusing myself a little bit about because Justin Fields has obviously looked much better in the second half of the season than he did in the first. And I thought, but were the results ultimately there? And if you really go through game by game and what they did to the Lions is probably the signature win for the Bears in the second half of the season. But for the most part, they they did. There were a couple of stumbles, but they did look pretty good. And I do think Justin Fields in a tough spot for a quarterback, the pieces around him um, and all of that. I, you know, I think there's a, but an eighth overall, now that would be way too rich. Yeah, I would not I'm, do something like that. The, the Daniel Jones contract is because you're paying him going right for quarterback who wins a road playoff game. And now his contract is still middle of the NFL. It's not that big of a deal. Um, whereas Justin Fields, you're kind of prorating him to be like, what could he be? with a bad, you know, Bears team for most of his career. And now it's like, well, if he goes to Atlanta and Bill Belichick is the odds on favorite to win the Atlanta job. And then you're like, well, you have Drake London and Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson all of a sudden doesn't look so bad anymore. Plus he's going from playing outdoor in Soldier Field to playing in a dome. So I, I understand the hype from, um, and also speaking of quarterbacks in this draft, I mean, there's probably a, you know, a glaring thing that's, uh, at least if you read the tea leaves correctly, that's going to change. The, I don't know if he's going to go in the first round, JJ McCarthy, but him declaring for the draft, like, doesn't that kind of mean that that Jim Harbaugh is not going to stay? Uh, and, and, and like, he's going to move know, on to the NFL. I, so it seems it's like funny. It, there's rumors that he's talking and looking for certain caveats in the contract so he can stay at Michigan without severe penalty falling on his head specifically. But I assume he's gone. I I think though, from a human standpoint. That 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 uber competitive thing and winning at the highest level, I get it. 
But also, just from a lifestyle standpoint, College Town, Ann Arbor, Michigan, you never have to do anything ever again. Well, you can't go 0-12, but short of that, if you're semi-competitive for the next 20 years, no one's ever going to bat an eye. You're the king of Michigan. Why, why give that up to go chase it for a couple of years with the Chargers or I don't know, I guess if you're, you know, if you want to win at the highest level, if the Belichick to Atlanta stuff is true, then I think if you are the Cowboys, you go all in on Jim Harbaugh because that fits perfectly. The doesn't have a typically outside of Michigan, at least the run he's had there. He's successful everywhere and short shelf life everywhere. Well, that's all you need with the Cowboys, you know, like go down there, do some stuff for two, three years, and you can move on, I suppose. But I'd be inclined mm-hmm. to stay at Michigan if if all things were equal. And when I say all things, I mean the money. The other things, um, the, I'm convinced that you want the buys. But if you're going to catch, if you're going to get one of those number one seeds, I think you got to get them this week. I don't love Texans up in Charm City. I do think the Packers have a better shot at taking out the Niners, especially I feel like we haven't seen Brock Purdy in about two months now. (laughs) And I like like hasn't shown up anywhere. By the way, speaking of not seeing anybody, the camera in the Steelers-Bills game, unless I missed it, didn't cut away to the number one draft pick, Kenny Pickett, who started the the whole broadcast. I'm I'm not suggesting there's a conspiracy afoot. I just think it's weird given that in the Lions game, they cut away to Eminem 27 times. You don't once cut away to Kenny Pickett and say, there he is, if not for injury, who knows where he might be? They didn't even do that. And as as far as that goes, Tony Romo, oh my, he had a rough one. Didn't know who Jalen Jalen Warren was or didn't know that they had a good backup. That was rough. A lot of weird moments for him, I thought, as far as the Bills, Steelers, to go on the record with my thoughts about that. It's pretty simple. I get it. Everybody likes to be the most cynical. It's not enough to just be a cynic. Now you have to be the most cynical and say the darkest crap. And I knew he was coming, dude. I knew they had no chance in that game and all that kind of crap. But for all the declarations, the game is over. The game is over. I said to Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, if they stop the bills to start the second half, they get the ball. They're down two touchdowns. And sure enough, they did wind up. Uh, in a seven-point game, and the Bills went for it on fourth and inches on their side of the field. They almost didn't get that. The Steelers almost got the ball down a touchdown in the second half, and it got away from them. And I don't think it was as shameful as people in Pittsburgh say, like, but they, what, what the takeaway is that they're completely outclassed by good teams. They were outclassed at QB. I do not think they were outclassed overall. I think that was a winnable game for Pittsburgh the thing they couldn't survive given the way they play. They couldn't survive George Pickens' fumble. That's the simple math on it. It wasn't an embarrassing performance by the Steelers, I don't think, and I don't think it's an indictment of Mike Tomlin or anything on that level. I just think George Pickens fumbled the ball down seven at what? Is 20 own 25, own 30? They punched that in. Now they're playing catch up the rest of the game. That was a terrible spot for the team to find themselves in, and they still almost rallied, and they did make it a game there, so... I don't know about that. And I think I'm happy that Mike Tomlin is saying he's coming back. And if I could snap my fingers and they could reboot as a franchise the next 15 or 20 years by going to one of those progressive um, bright OCs that we were talking about, who's a young guy who could take the gig and, you know, you could close your eyes and 20 years later, he's still the head coach fit that Steelers model. Ben Johnson would make some sense, but Mike Tomlin, the cynicism around him is is downright weird. I get it, the lack of success in the playoffs over the last seven years. But, I mean, a winning record 17 years in a row is, if, if you don't know why that is meaningful and remarkable and rare in the NFL, then I suspect you probably don't watch the NFL very much because who does that? Never has a, a losing record? Yes, the wins need to start coming um, but either way, you, you don't push a hall of fame coach out the door. And I told you, Eddie Spaghetti, that wouldn't happen. I thought he might leave who would be in his head. How do I know if he's burnt out or not? But so it sounds like he's not going to leave. He's going to be with the Steelers. And I think that's good news. And I think Khan and wide will need one more good off season in free agency in the draft. And I think that roster, maybe not quarterback, but otherwise is going to be as strong as any in the AFC. And we'll see if that stacks up, if that's enough. 
um, against those superhero quarterbacks. But for now, the Steeler season is over. Eight more teams survive. Very quickly, Eddie Spaghetti will go over these with Hench. Like I say, I went four and two on the 15-minute pregame show. Right now, to lay them out in front of you, Ravens are given nine to the Texans. The Niners are given nine and a half to the Packers. That surprises me that the number is is fatter for the Niners than it is for the Ravens over the Texans. Lions um, laying six and a half against Baker Mayfield in that matchup. Bake v. Goff and then KC and the Bills hooking up. Bills at home laying two and a half. I don't know how to feel about that game. I just am not overwhelmed by the Bills, but then again, I'm not overwhelmed by the Chiefs. Okay, Eddie Spaghetti. I think we've said it all for today, right? I think we've done enough. Got a little bit of everything. Wild card reaction, coach movement, NFL draft stuff, uh, everything you want. By the way, and you didn't mention my stupidity, but like, if you're thinking like, you must have been drunk. No, I wasn't drunk. Just natural, all natural dumbness from Dave. I like to say, though, to my kids, isn't it nice? Like, you have a responsible mom, so that's great, and responsible grandparent, like, and teachers and everything. Like, you wouldn't want all your grownups to be responsible. I keep life exciting. Where are we going to dinner? How, how could you know? I don't know, and I'm driving the car. I have no idea where we're going. That's the excitement of living with Dave. Are we going to Vegas? No. Oh, five minutes later, we are. Why? Because Dave is dumb. That's why. It's exciting, right, Spaghetti? I'm just glad you made it, and I hope you take some of my advice with the calendar stuff. Um, again, I'd love to see that group text and see how many men said they're leaving for Vegas either on Thursday night or Friday morning, and you just didn't understand what they meant by that. But, you know, you made it. You you hung out with them. It's all, I guess it's all that counts. I guess so. All right, listen, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you and Kevin Hench later in the week. In the meantime, we'll be hanging out with Sarah Tiana at Extra Points on Wednesday. Um, Eddie Spaghetti and Jen Piacente already – have put out the wavered wire for the week. Uh, make sure you're listening to Lemon Pepper Parlay and Trendy and Covered in Glory. And I think I mentioned all the shows there. So check them all out and uh, we'll talk to you later in the week. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and Daniel Jeremiah, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>